So at the beginning of every episode, I read a quote. God damn it, Theo. This time it's because of Jackie, not Rachel. Um, I blame Rachel. <laughs> so is this a poem? You've written it out like it's a poem. Uh, it's a song. It's a song. And it goes like this. Pass like an April die, but the fillers of the words and the feelings they stirred, they have stolen my heart away. Do it like that. That's great. No, you do it. I didn't think I need to. I think you did a great job. Hi, everyone. It's us, the Fire the Cannon podcast. And as you probably know, my name is Rachel. As you probably know, my name is Jackie. I did know that. And I doubt you've ever heard of me, but I'm Theo. I'm the producer. He's just the producer. You don't need to worry about him. Yeah. <laughs> he never talks. Forget my name immediately. <laughs> that was a command. Okay. Anyway, you're probably wondering why we've gathered you here today. <laughs> you always start it like that. I always do. We'll see about that. A lot that. of the time you do. And they're always wondering, Jackie. They're always wondering. They're always wondering. Why have we gathered you and I'm here? I'm about to tell you. They're probably just thinking like, well, I know why I'm here, but why is this Theo guy here? You're probably wondering why we've gathered Theo here <laughs> yeah. today. <laughs> if you're wondering why Theo's here, it's because we're recording an episode about part two of George Orwell's 1984. If you're like, what the heck? Why'd they start in the middle? Well, we didn't. We did part one last week. So go back and listen to that. Yeah. And then come back next week and listen to the final part. And why do we need Theo here for it? Because Theo's got a cold, emotionless, authoritarian heart, and we think he needs to change. Mm. So we brought him here for a little lesson learning. Oh. Well, the first episode is very inspiring for me. To become more authoritarian? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> yeah, that he can rewrite history by being our producer. <laughs> <sighs> all right, all right. Okay, so when we left you guys at the end of the last episode, um, we've covered book one of 1984. At the end of that, it was uh, Winston, the main character, having introduced all of the terrible things about the society he lives in. And he sees the dark-haired girl who is a mysterious uh, feminine figure who sometimes shows up in his life. And he notices that she's followed him to the shop where he bought the diary and the paperweight. And he thinks, I should kill her before she turns me in. But he doesn't. He really wants to kill this woman. He really wants to kill her. Thinks about it hard. He's losing me. <laughs> really? I have to say. <laughs> so what we're starting out with then is book two of three. Sensing a little foreshadowing here. We're going to be done in three episodes. Pretty There's impressive. There's going to be huh? three parts. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> so excited. Should I just go ahead and jump in, Rachel? I think so. Can you think of anything else we need to say? Theo, do you remember the two things I told you to bring up during this episode so that I could tell my stories? No. You were supposed to remind him again. I'm reminding him now. Ireland and cookout. Should I go ahead and tell the Ireland one now just to get us uh, started since... Just, yeah. Well, here, I can tie it into the quote. So there was an accent in the quote and there's an accent in Ireland and the story involves an Irish accent. So I was at work and I was in the elevator. At the back of the elevator was a man in a wheelchair being pushed by a woman and I piled on with some other people. On another floor, we stopped and a woman with another man in a wheelchair got on. And so it was a little tight. So we all had to back up against the back wall. And the woman backed up, you know, because you you push people through doors. Uh, you pull them through the doors, rather. You don't push them. So she backed up. And as she's bringing her male companion onto the elevator, she backs up so far that she almost falls on the first man's lap. <laughs> and he goes, 
whoa, careful there, you almost sat on my lap. And she turns around and with this wonderful Irish accent, she slaps him on the leg and she says, well, wouldn't that have been a gift for you? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and no one in the elevator laughed but me, but Such I lost confidence. It. Yeah. <laughs> the guy didn't even laugh? No, he didn't even laugh. Everybody was just like awkwardly I silent. I had to at least laugh just to make it less awkward. I know. Did he agree or did he just look down? He just said, yes, that would have been awesome. <laughs> no, it was just dead silence. Silent. Yeah. It was dead silent except for me laughing. <laughs> wow. Wow. Do you think she always has an Irish accent or just when she's making a joke? A sexually charged joke. Um, I think she always has an Irish accent unless when she's harassing, yeah, sexually harassing people, then she turns Irish. I have to say, I don't think it would have been as funny if she didn't have an Irish accent. I would have just thought she's sexually <laughs> harassing him. <laughs> like she touched him on the leg and said, you would have loved you it if loved I had. It. You should maybe throw it. a little more sexual harassment into your life, Jackie. Yeah. See Me? what happens. Yeah. With an Irish accent? Yeah. I would actually love it if... Women sexually harass you. Okay. Jackie started sexually harassing everybody. <laughs> Wouldn't that just be a gift Man. for you? <laughs> yeah, sure would. Do you think that there's a chance she doesn't normally have an Irish accent, but she's kind of a little bit possessed by like a, an Irish ghost, like an old Irish woman. Horny Irish demon. Yeah. And it comes out every once in a while whenever she's in an awkward a sexually situation. abusive leprechaun. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't that oh, be great? <laughs> or maybe she was worried she was going to get reported to HR. So she did it in an Irish accent. So if someone's like, some <laughs> Irish woman harassed yeah. me. <laughs> but really, she's Scottish. Yeah, they'd be like, we don't have any Irish people working here. Um, I don't think she was an employee. I think she was a guest. An Irish guest. So you can harass whoever you want wow. when you're a guest at Jackie's hospital. Or if she is an employee, she didn't have her badge on um, and she wasn't dressed appropriately. So... Wow. Three strikes, you're out. If you're going to harass somebody, take your badge off and... Get your boots <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah. She sounded like a like a pirate. It was just so... <laughs> Wait, was it was just Irish so aggressive. An like, Irish pirate. A pirish. An irate. An irate. <laughs> I love how no one laughed at it and I was brought so much joy. Say the line one more time. Well, wouldn't that have been a gift for you? <laughs> Straight out of a movie. <laughs> it's so fun to say. <laughs> wow. What a tale. Yep. Well, so that's my story about an accent. So we're going to jump into some stuff that's all pretty dark. Uh, there's like a it's handful fine. of things that I think are kind of funny in here. Who cares? It's fine. Didn't really happen. That's how I feel. Yet. Wait, or maybe it has already happened. 1984 happened, and it will happen again and again and again. We're living through it. Theo, don't even think about it. We already covered that. We're not living through it. Oh, sorry. It's like you didn't even listen to the past episode. <laughs> All right. So listen up, guys. Here's what's going on at the beginning of book two. So Winston goes back to work after failing to kill the dark-haired girl, and he sees her walking towards him. And she's got her arm in a sling, which, correct me if I'm wrong, Rachel, but that's never explained or brought up again. You're right. So she's got her arm in a sling, and she sees Winston, and she falls down. And the book says if she falls almost flat on her face, which I was like, ooh. Been there, done that. Wow. Girl. Not me, but you. Been there, done that. I mean, yeah, honestly. <laughs> Jackie, you have? You've fallen on your face? Yeah. Remember the quad? Why are you saying it like you've been there? I've heard many tales of it from you. What are you talking about? You have said so many times about how you fell in the quad in front of everyone. Not in the quad, Flat in the on pit. your face, in the pit. The pit. You Is fell in the, the pit and all the little high schoolers were like, oh. Flat on my butt. Believe it or not, surprisingly, my butt and my face are a little different. Wait. They're on opposite ends of my torso. Oh, you fell on your butt. I fell on my butt. Flat on her butt. 
Oh, okay. I've never fallen flat on my face yet. That would be so horrible. (laughs) I've had a lot of funny falls, but not that one. So she falls down and she lands like right on her injured arm and she's clearly in a lot of pain. And so Winston, even though he thinks she's trying to kill him, he's just like got some kind of like gentlemanly instinct and he's like, I gotta help my lady up. So he goes and helps her up. And as he's helping her up, she slips a slip of paper into his hand very secretly and then is like- Wait, 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 Theo, guess what it says. Guess what it says. I love you. It does. How did you know that? Because what else would a woman say to a man? (laughs) (laughs) He keeps guessing right. Like he is made to live in this society. (laughs) I know. (laughs) What else would a woman say to a man? We say other things to you all the time. I just mean in a book. Oh, okay. (laughs) Where, you know, there's one woman character, you know. Oh, right. Well, okay. So maybe we shouldn't say that yet. But anyway, so that's interesting. So he gets it and she's like, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm fine. And she like scurries away. And it says Winston sees like terror in her face. Like she looks terrified. So she did it all on purpose to give him a note. I don't know. I don't know if he if she fell down on purpose just so she, she definitely could... fell on purpose so that he would help her up. But why did she fall right on her face? So that it's more obvious that he needs to help her. <laughs> <laughs> why was her arm in a sling? Unrelated. Unrelated. <laughs> so like she looks up at him like a couple of her teeth have been knocked out. She has a bloody nose and she it gives him a note that says I love you. Mm-hmm. It's not a good first impression. No, she would do it very secretly. So he gets the slip of paper. He doesn't open it right away because of course they're being watched everywhere. <laughs> So he says, five minutes, just five minutes. I'm going to go back to my desk, which is covered in other slips of paper anyway. And uh, I'll just act casual and open it in a few minutes. So he gives himself some time and he's thinking to himself, all right, there's only two things that could be on that note. One, she's a member of the thought police. And this is a message warning me that I'm done for. And he's like, I don't know why they would choose that method to give me this message. (laughs) But, you know, that's the far more likely scenario is that it's a message of death. The second uh, possibility is that she's a member of the Brotherhood and she's recruiting me to join it. So he's like, doubtless there's some political message to this. But then he opens it and lo and behold, it says, I love you. You think it's the thought police? Huh? You think it's the thought police? Saying they love him? Saying I love you. Yeah. (laughs) We love you. (laughs) The funny thing is that literally like a paragraph before he's like, I hate her so much. She's too sexy. I hate it. I'm going to murder her. I can't wait to bash her head in. as soon as she says I love you, he's like, wait a second. Maybe it's a good thing I didn't murder her. Now, hold on just a minute. (laughs) And he he feels an intense desire to want to live. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, maybe I shouldn't kill her and kill myself. Maybe I shouldn't do those things. Maybe I should do something else. Something else. So what ensues is like several days of neurosis. Very relatable. (laughs) Yeah. Well, a lot of his fears are, you know, the kind you would expect. Like, how am I going to speak with her again? How am I going to, like, make anything happen with this because we're being watched and it's not allowed and this and that? You know, he's worried about the consequences. But at least 15 to 20 percent of his fears are also just like, what if she changes her mind? Like, just these normal little fears of, like, what if she doesn't like me? Yeah. She went out of her way and risked her life to fall flat on her face and give you this note. And you're still like, uh, I don't know. It's been like three days. What if she changed her mind? <laughs> <laughs> well, women do be changing their minds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a woman's That's prerogative. So like, do you think she meant to fall in a less embarrassing way and then was like, shit? <laughs> I got to play this off. And she quickly scribbles out, I love you. And I meant to do that. See? I did fall flat on my face one time. 
Did I tell you guys about it before? Wait, I have a story about a note. You meant to fall flat no, on your face? I did do it, like fully flat on my face. Go ahead, Theo. Okay. <laughs> no, tell your story about the flat on the face. Excuse me. Go on, tell it. Okay, so one time I was doing this like ski trip with a church group back in middle school, high school, something like that. I was pretty young. So my family, we normally, traditionally, we would go on warm vacations. So I had only gone skiing like once before in my life. And it was many, many years earlier. So I was skiing. I did like the little baby one. This was a North Carolina ski slope. So there weren't very many mountains. There were like three places to ski. It was like little baby, difficult, and then like really difficult. So I was fine with the little baby one. I went on the difficult one. There's nothing one. in between little baby <laughs> yeah, and <basically>. difficult. <laughs> so I went on the black diamond after doing fine on the bunny slope. I was skiing by myself because I didn't really know some other people on the trip. And for some reason, so I was skiing down this like it was basically vertical at the bottom. I had done fine before that. For some reason, somebody had left a water bottle in the middle of the ski slope, like one of the plastic squishy ones, you know, plastic squishy, cheapy ones. Mm-hmm. So it, you okay, couldn't okay. see it until you were upon it. So I was skiing, skiing. I saw the water bottle. I didn't have time to do anything. My ski like went over the water bottle and I just went flump, like flat onto my face on the ground, like skis up in the air. Wow. And it was uh, basically a vertical slope all the way to the bottom because I'd already done the parts where you're sliding. So I was like, I was at the top of this final straightaway and I considered trying to get up and I'm like, there's no point. So I just skied down the mountain, the rest of the mountain flat on my face. (laughs) And when I got to the bottom. (laughs) And that's explained a lot about your life since. (laughs) When I got to the bottom, someone was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine now. Bye. (laughs) Go on. I think I literally said like, I'm fine. Keep going. (laughs) And you did all of that just to tell someone you loved them? Yeah, (laughs) I did. (laughs) It was vertical? Isn't that just a cliff? It was basically a cliff. (laughs) Yeah. How did you keep your face on it? That's really impressive. (laughs) I'm so confused. Rachel, I'm not Uh, sure that this is a true representation of the shape of that slope. I'll draw a picture. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We'll put it on our Instagram. That's definitely how it felt. Well, Rachel used to have a very long pointy nose, but she was like, you know what? I could just kind of shave that baby down. I'm just going to take the slope a few more times. (laughs) Slide on my face. Yeah. It just got like sandpapered off. (laughs) Way cheaper than a nose job. Wait, Theo, what's your story about the nose? My story about someone (laughs) handing me a note, I was sitting with my friend and then my girlfriend at the time, name redacted. (laughs) I don't mean mean to say that, so (laughs) name redacted. Her name, it was redacted. (laughs) Redacted. It was a family name. And so this girl walks up to me and she hands me this little sheet of paper and it seemed like she was handing it to me like I had dropped it. She was like, oh, oh here you, you go. Here you go. Yeah. And so I, and so I took it yeah. and then I looked down at it and looked back up and she had like walked away and I like opened it and it said, whatever, I think you're cute. Here's my number, blah, blah, blah. But so then- <laughs> What? Why'd you elide that? <laughs> he, he really wanted to skip over the content of the, well, that's, of the note. That's basically what it said. <laughs> it said, here's my number. That's it. So call me, maybe. He said, I think you're cute. Here's my number. Oh. It's basically that. But then the interesting thing was her name was T-H-O-O, like Thu, I guess. And so <laughs> I opened it up at first glance. I thought it was my name at the bottom. So I was like, 
what? I didn't write this. And then like, I'm sitting across from my girlfriend and I'm like, this girl just like, gave me this note that it looks like I wrote this to her or something. I was like freaking out for a second. Like, what is this like crazy trick that someone was playing on? She's framing me. Yeah. Did I like forget that I did this? Yeah. <laughs> well, so this girl yeah. didn't know your name. For a moment, my heart just stopped. No, she didn't. She didn't know if she did, I don't think she would have given you that note because that would have been a crazy couple name. Theo can't date Theo. <laughs> That would get so confusing. <laughs> Actually, I want you to date her. Do you still have the note? Like, you need to text her. I don't have it. I have no idea what happened to it. It's a weird thing to do, though, because, like, she handed me the note. I yeah. looked down at it. I looked back up, and she was gone. I don't know where she Boo. went. So I had no idea what she looked well, like. Well, she's not going to stick around and watch a reaction. Well, like, that's awful. It's at least, I, I just feel like I would be calling someone who I have no idea what they look like. All I know is that they hand their number out to people. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't even get to see her. No. That's how fast she was gone. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Bold of her. Is that shallow of me to think that's an issue that I didn't even see her? That you didn't know what she looked like? Yeah. Well, yeah, because you had a girlfriend, so it didn't really matter, right? Or were you yeah. like, how nice should I be? <laughs> should, no, you could have like texted her and said, wait, can you send me a picture first? And then depending on how good she like, looked. Like, I have a girlfriend right now, but we could always break up. You know I would. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll put you in my file for later. <laughs> my little oh, black book. <laughs> my Rolodex. Oh, uh, that's not me, audience. That's not how I do it. It's not how he rolls. That's pretty relevant to what happened to Winston, though. So he gets this note, and then for the next several days, the girl hears nothing because he doesn't know how to get in touch with her. So he sees her sometimes in the cafeteria or whatever, and he's like, uh, uh, but, uh. but he, she's always like with other people. Or one time, somebody else sits down at the table with her, and he's like, damn it, I missed my chance. And then sometimes she doesn't show up at all. One day she shows up, and he can tell that it, a couple funny things happen. Like, so, like he's about to sit down with her, and it like one second had elapsed, he would have been able to sit down at her table, but then he. He hears someone calling him from behind and he pretends not to hear it, but the guy's like really insistent. Um, oh my gosh. Mm. This would make a great montage in a movie. Great montage, yeah. yeah. Finally, when he does manage to sit down with her, he gets almost all the way to her table and he sees another man going towards her. Oh gosh. And he trips him and he like drops all his food and has to go back in the line and start over. So that's how he gets to sit down with her. Oh my gosh. He plays dirty. That's terrible. Yeah. But they have to strategically plan it because they can't be like too close to the outer edges of the room because that's where all the telescreens are. So they have to be in the middle of the room when there's other people around, but not mm. at the table so they can like talk the privately. Noise. So basically yeah. he sits down, they're like slurping their soup, looking down and they're like, what time do you get off work? She's like 6.30 or 12 30, 8 30. What? I mean, 12 30. I mean, 8 30. 16 30. 14 30, whatever the weird time is. Oh, yeah. The weird dystopian time. 24 hour time. And he's like, okay, I'll see you there. And they like make this plan to meet in a big crowd of people because that's the only place that it's really safe for them to meet. And they just like stand side by side with each other. And at one point, she like holds his hand a little bit, but they never make any, they never look at each other. They don't make any sign that they've like seen each other or know each other at all. So they make this little plan to go have a tryst. And she has a spot out in the country that she tells him about. So he. She gives him these very specific directions on how very to Very specific. She tells him, take this train, get off at this place, walk this way. There's like a gate, then a field, then you turn right, whatever. So they come to this uh, hidden little place in kind of in the woods in a field, but there's like a little natural clearing there. 
And Winston says that. Oh, wait. Before we get to him going to this clearing, the way she's able to tell him how to get there is because they go to see, like, a bunch of prisoners of war, like, being tortured in front of everyone. Mm -hmm. And because everyone is so distracted by the torture, they're able to have a little romantic moment. So they're, like, holding hands in the middle of this horrible, like, venomous crowd. And then she tells him how to get there. Wow. I could just imagine, like, you know how in an anime when... Like the characters are feeling lovey or something like their cheeks get bright red and they are like somebody like has a nosebleed and there's like butterflies all around. Like I'm imagining that just happening in this crowd. And everyone else is like (laughs) throwing tomatoes and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Guys, I don't know what's worse, though, because I've been trying online dating recently. (laughs) You don't know if it's worse to date in the society of 1984. It's harder to do online (laughs) dating than it is to hang out with this girl. Yeah. Um, if only he got a note from Fu now, he would really text her. I still wonder, like, what if she just misspelled his name? And she is me. She signed it as his name. <laughs> but, <laughs> Maybe she tried to say, I think you're really cute, Theo, but she wrote, I think you're really cute, Thu, phone number. Uh, and he was like, oh, her, her name must be Thu. <laughs> <laughs> no, Maybe her was, name is Sue and she has a list. It was, the bo- <laughs> it was the bottom right. It was like where you say sincerely yours. In fact, that's probably what she said. Okay. Sincerely yours, Thu. Yeah. We've got to find this girl. All right, Thu, if you're out there or if any of you know Thu. Become my patron, please. (laughs) (laughs) Jackie still needs a patron. Yeah, still need a patron. All right. So they get out to the woods. We learn that her name is Julia and um, she still got her scarlet sash on, which identifies her again as a member of the Junior Anti-Sex League, which, as we'll learn, is quite ironic. They're just kind of getting to know each other a little bit. And Winston says that there's oftentimes, like, even though in nature there's no telescreens, there's oftentimes microphones hidden around. Like, stuck in the bushes and stuff. Mm. Yeah. So he's a little worried about that. But Julia says, no, there's no microphones here. Like, I've been here before. I'm, I, there's nowhere to hide one. That's exactly what someone with microphones would tell you, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she says to him, I'm just curious, you know, what did you think of me? before all this like what was your opinion of me and he says i wanted to rape you and then murder you i hated you (laughs) she's like sweet and she's like oh my god that's so funny (laughs) (laughs) wait really yeah yeah he literally says i thought you were a member of the thought police i wanted to rape you and then murder you i hated you more than anything and she's like that's hilarious oh my god you were so wrong about me let's do it (laughs) my strategy on hinge is way off No, Theo, do not copy Winston. (laughs) I'm just kidding. God. Sorry, was that bad? Was that bad? (laughs) No, it's fine. No, you're saying that you're not saying that to women. Not. Because, yeah, the way to get women to like you is not to be like, hey, here's all the times I thought about doing horrible things to you. So, like I said, so they're they're doing their thing, and <laughs> she takes off her clothes. It's exactly like he imagined it would be with this, like, single grand sweep, and then all the stuff is gone. And she's like, oh, I hate this sash. The stupid stuff they make me do in the anti-sex league, it's all so pointless. Because I'm going to have sex anyway. Sash or no sash. <laughs> yeah. Sash or no sash. <laughs> it's like the, the reality show that they have in Oceania. <laughs> deal or no deal. <laughs> Howie Mandel with sash or no sash. Yeah. So he's like, have you done this before? And she's like, oh, yeah, all the time. And he's like really like with party members and she's like yeah Yeah, tons of times like not with inner party members but with everybody else and he says the more men you've had the more i love you you understand that right and she was like sure and he's like i hate goodness i hate purity i want everything to be corrupt to the bones and she's like great that's me you'll like me (laughs) he's talking a big game but he's literally only had sex with his wife -uh, and prostitutes yeah one time 
Nuh-uh, many times. I'm just saying he's not cool. He's trying to act cool and he's not. He's not trying to act cool. But I'm confused. Does she tell all of those men she loves them? Or is he the first one? He doesn't ask. (laughs) That was also a little confusing to me. Like, why did she pick him to be like, I love you? Because he's the main character of the book. That's literally the reason. That is a really attractive quality in someone, I have to say. (laughs) Loving you already? No, No, being the main main character. character. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. And he's like kind of self-conscious and he's like, I'm 39. I've got a varicose ulcer. I've got false teeth. Like, do you really want to be with me? And she's like, yeah, you for sure. This is like every guy's dream, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Confirmed. Like not the ulcer part though. Being (laughs) like, I'm a hideous monster. And then a woman being like, loving it. But I like you better than all the other monsters. Yeah. Yeah. I've had sex with everyone on earth. Everyone on earth. So she tells him basically that she appears to, you know, look like a good girl and she screams louder than all the rest at all of the hate rallies and stuff because she figures that's the best way to get people off of her case. It's like a disguise. Yeah. Yeah. Like a disguise. So they meet a few more times over the next couple weeks. Like it's kind of hit or miss. I'm not going to go into like it's many, many, many pages of him like describing how sometimes it's hard to meet up with her. And then one time they're supposed to meet up and she's like I can't meet up my period came early and he says he feels an intense rage because he's like oh how dare she have a I period. own this girl I need her wow. yeah how dare she and then he thinks wait a second if we were married this would probably happen all the time Ah, and then he feels like tender towards her he's a Winston's freak such a weird guy he's such a he's freak, a freak. <laughs> <laughs> also you can still meet up <laughs> even if she's on her period like it's fine a little pro tip from Jackie <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody realizes this but it's still possible <laughs> so it is obvious this is written by a man for him to be like I could get executed but I'm gonna have sex but you're on your period uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, not touching that. Yeah, this is a man from the 1900s. <laughs> it also says, like, she's paler than normal and she's, like, acting weird. So I thought, oh, well, she's not on her period. Like She's, she's dying. <laughs> or she's pregnant or there's something wrong with her or something has happened. Like, But it turns out that was it. That was the truth. Just a normal thing. Yeah. <laughs> just a normal thing. Like, everybody just seems like they're on the verge of death. So she lives in a hostel with 30 other girls and she's like, I hate women. <laughs> she's the cool girl, you know? She's not like other girls not like other girls she basically dies every time she gets her period (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so and he's through talking to her he realizes that i guess because she's so much younger than him but also because they have different personalities she believes a lot of lies the party tells so he's like oh "Oh, it's crazy to me that like she thinks that the party invented airplanes but I'm old enough to remember that airplanes were a thing before. The deal with her is that, so he cares about, like, bringing down Big Brother. He cares about it, but he doesn't do anything at all. Whereas she is, like, she does things she's not supposed to do, but she doesn't care about bringing down Big Brother. She's just like, I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to figure out a way to live my life Mm -hmm. the way I want and make it appear like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, he says, like, don't you think you should, like, be trying harder to do things to make this possible for everyone? And she says, it can't be done. There's no point. Yeah. So I'm just going to enjoy my life. He cares a lot about, like, literally what's true and what's not true. Whereas for her, when he told her, like, the party didn't invent airplanes, she's like, well, I don't really care. That has no bearing on my life, whether or not they invented airplanes. So she's just kind of like, I don't want to fight them on every little fact. If it doesn't actually matter... 
I don't really care if they're lying or not. I basically assume they're lying about everything so it doesn't affect me, which she's right. <laughs> yeah, she is right. He says, didn't you notice that we used to be at war with Eurasia and now we're at war with East Asia? Didn't you notice that they just flipped it? And she said, eh, oh, whatever. Huh, no, I didn't notice that. I thought we'd always been at war. With but she was like, well, it doesn't matter because I don't think the war is even real. And Winston says he never even considered this. Yeah. So he's the idiot. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, oh, those bombs that get dropped, I'm pretty sure that's just our own government doing it. Like, they're just making up this war to keep us, like, furious about something, which it's like, yeah, duh. Yeah. <laughs> so he's like, no, it matters that they used to be lying in a different direction. She's like, I don't really care. I know they're lying. <laughs> yeah, so he says, you're only a rebel from the waist down. And as with every other horrifying thing he says, she thinks it's delightful. Yeah, she's like, ha, 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 that's so funny. I love that description. <laughs> and then she throws her arms around him. I love that you described me that way. And they do it. They do it. <laughs> but so she, what her kind of idea is, is that the whole reason that the government is anti-sex is because people have a lot of like pent up energy and the government wants them to direct that energy basically into hatred for the enemy. And these like two minute hate things are kind of like an orgiastic event where everybody's like, like an outlet for their sexual frustration. Yeah, an outlet. Mm. Which that's what the No Nut November guys think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the No Nut November is just a, a month long two minute hate. <laughs> yeah. She says when you make love like you're happy and everything's fine and nothing matters so they don't want us to do that they want us to always be frustrated basically that doesn't make sense though like based on this book if he was constantly having sex he wouldn't have gotten involved with her at all i don't think he constantly was but i think he was often having unsatisfying encounters with prostitutes no i'm saying it doesn't make sense for the government to prevent the people from having sex because clearly in this book the fact that he's not able to have satisfying sexual encounters is what inspires him to rebel oh. and her too. So if they'd been allowed to do this, they would have been totally satisfied with like Big Brother. Yeah, but they're freaks. A lot of other people just kind of fall for it. So. They're freaks. Okay. And this is at the part where he tells Julia's like, what was your your wife like? And he says, oh, Catherine, uh, she was pretty terrible. She didn't have an original thought in her head. One time we were out on a trip and we got separated from the hiking group and we came to this place where there was a cliff and I thought about pushing her over it, but <laughs> oh I didn't God. and I regret that to this day. And Julia's like, well, do you wish you had done it? And he was like, yeah, but I mean, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. Let's move on. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, killing, not killing, whatever. The important thing is that you know that I wanted to kill my wife. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought he was telling the story because he was going to say, like, we got separated and for just a moment because we were alone, I realized, like, I actually do love my wife or she was, like, different in this way because we weren't being watched and it turns out it was a great moment. And instead he's like, no, I just wanted to push her over the cliff and I'm sad that I didn't. He has wanted to kill every woman every in woman. this book. Yeah. <laughs> Later on, I wasn't going to mention this very much, but he says he constantly has a dream that he murdered his mother. And he didn't murder his mother, but he, he thinks that he did or something like he that. He regrets it. I do not like Winston. Like, I am glad Big Brother was holding him back. Imagine what he would have gotten up to in a regular society. <laughs> yeah. If a girl says to you, what did you think of me before we, you know, started dating or whatever? Say, do not say you wanted to sexually assault her and then kill her. Do not say that. <laughs> don't do it. Another Jackie tip for you. It ya. worked for Winston. I'm not saying it didn't work for Winston, but don't do it. Just say... <laughs> 
you had beautiful eyes. I really liked your sash. That's great. <laughs> also, every time that the sash is mentioned, it's just tight enough to accentuate her curves. He's a freak. He is a freak. Orwell's a freak. Yeah. But yeah, I guess I'm wondering, Rachel, like when you said like you were glad Big Brother was holding him back. Are we supposed to be thinking that Big Brother is what made him this way? I, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, I'm sure part. we don't know to what extent it's because of Big Brother. I think he's partly just an organic freak. <laughs> he's an organic freak. It's a nature nurture thing. We don't know how much is what. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, um, at this point in the book, Winston has rented that upstairs room from Mr. Charrington, who's the proprietor of the antique shop where he got the diary and the paperweight. And remember in the in the first part of the book, he had gone up and seen this like little room with like a bed and a chair. And he thought that would be so great to rent this. And he does. And he uses it for his trysts with Julia so that they don't have to go into the clearing in the woods because, you know, there's ticks out there and stuff. Nobody wants ticks. That's what it says? No, that's not what it says. <laughs> in fact, there's probably many more bugs in this room. They're always talking about how there's like bugs crawling around and Julia's like, I'm going to like take that picture off the wall one day and kill all the clean bugs. Clean all the ticks out. <laughs> clean all the ticks out. Winston's wow. up there. He's waiting for Julia. She comes in and she's got this bag of goodies that she's bought on the black market. So like real sugar and real coffee and real tea. And Winston's like, wow, this is amazing. And then she says, turn around. So he turns around for a few minutes. And when he turns back around, she's put like a full face of makeup on and he's like, hot damn. Which as you remember from the first part, Winston, one of the things he hates about women is that they're not allowed to wear any makeup. And he's just like, uh, the women aren't feminine. That's also something Orwell has a hang up about (laughs) in general. Yeah, yeah. Uh. I thought that he had described her multiple times before as beautiful, like the beautiful girl with the dark hair. And he was like upset at her because he wanted to sleep with her. She's too sexy for him. She's too sexy for him and her sash. And but in this part, it says, yeah, Julia wasn't really beautiful. Like she had some problems with her face. Like, she had, she had some facial issues. I mean, doesn't it say that? It's like, <laughs> yeah, like her eyes were too far apart or something. And like her mouth was kind of weirdly wide. But, you know, when she put the makeup on, then she was a stunner. How dare he? He's got a goiter all over or whatever his deal is. A varicose uh, ulcer. <laughs> whatever <laughs> his problem have a goiter. is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised he doesn't have a goiter, though. I feel like a lot of people in this society should have goiters. I'm just saying like he's constantly talking about like here are my physical flaws and then a woman's interested in him and he's like eh, her eyes are too far apart <laughs> and her mouth is a little too wide <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> but so she puts the makeup on and he's like hot damn um just as a, another aside, there's a lot of asides in this episode. I took a class my freshman year of college. Called, I think it was like Chinese mythology or something like that. It had a longer title. But I took this class with Wilson and then our other friend, Sean, who later became one of our roommates, me and Rachel's. And um, there was a story that we read about a woman with a goiter and her name was Goiter Sue. And Sean thought that was the funniest thing that she just walked around and everybody was like, hey, Goiter Sue, what's up? <laughs> And then the point of the story is that, like, the prince comes to town or something, and he's, like, looking for a wife, and everyone's like, it'll never be goiter soup. It is? Lo and behold, it is. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) What a lesson. Just just give the girl some iodide. It'll go away. Yeah. That's the thing about goiters. Like, they do go away. Like, they can. So you shouldn't change your name to goiter soup. Don't change your whole lifestyle. It's like if everybody looked at Winston and was like, there goes old Sir Winston. (laughs) Old Sir Winston. 
So they're having a nice time in the room and all this stuff. But all of a sudden, Julia, like in the middle of talking, goes, Ugh, get out of here. And she throws something. And Winston's like, what was it? And she said, oh, it was a rat. It like poked its little rat face in. God, I hate rats. They're so annoying. Like, She's racist against rats. Like she goes on this weird rant about them. <laughs> she says, you know what the worst thing is, is that sometimes they eat babies and you can't even leave a baby alone because the rats oh are going to get it. And Winston goes, blah, 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 Stop. Yeah, he freaks yeah, he's out. He's like, stop, 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 stop. He has like some kind of PTSD reaction. And we realize that Winston has a phobia of rats, like horribly so. He can't even handle thinking about them or talking about them, which I'm like, you live in this terrible, like tenement-ish apartment building. Rat-filled society. Yeah. How <laughs> could you not see rats ever? And he's like, oh my God, a rat here? <laughs> so anyway, we learned that he had some type of like nightmare slash maybe childhood memory about rats that caused him to have this phobia, but he's not really sure exactly what happened or what it is and we don't know either huh. winston goes back to work and he learns oh that- wait no go ahead the song sing the song talk about the song because i don't think we've brought it up very much and it for some reason it's important i didn't know if it was a super important plot point but um it's a through line we can just say a couple sentences there's a prole woman who lives like in the space like next to or behind Mr. Charrington's shop and he says she's always outside hanging laundry and she's always singing to herself so she's like a big ruddy strong You're going into way more detail than I would have. Okay I'm sorry I thought you wanted me to talk about it. (laughs) No I just think Anyway but he looks at the woman he always talks about the woman and he's like she's so strong like she's an example of how the proles are gonna you know rise up and fix everything for us but anyway she's always singing a song that um, has been written by a machine in the park like they don't actually like have composers. Sorry, Theo. They just have machines. Oh, Theo. Yeah, you've been it's outsourced. It's all robots. <laughs> it's all wallies. Uh, I was loving the society before. Yeah. <laughs> and the song is called It Was Only a Hopeless Fancy. And that's the song that Theo kind of read at the beginning of the quote. Yeah, so. I, I was talking about the Bells of St. Clements. <laughs> oh, what are, but they're both a through line. Well, then we can talk about both. I'll do the St. Clemens one. Okay, so. That's too many through lines. There's too many musical through lines. So there's this one older song and he kind of hears it throughout the book and he gathers like another line every time that he talks to a new person, basically. So like the first person is remembering oranges and lemons, say the bells of St. Clements. And he's like, wait, what's that? And the guy says, oh, I think it's an old building that doesn't exist anymore. And he kind of is like, oh, I feel like I remember it. So just as he talks to more people, so he talks to Julia, he's kind of humming it or something. And Julia knows another line. So by this point, he's gathered Mm. like three lines and he's like, I wonder what the last one is i've got to remember it so there you go just a side quest yeah he has a side quest so winston goes to work and sime's not there anymore sime is his like kind of friend guy that was working on the new speak dictionary and he was telling winston it's so great how we're not going to have any of these superfluous words anymore too smart for his own good too smart for his own good he was thinking to himself sime's gonna get vaporized the one where winston's like he's definitely getting vaporized Yeah, well, it happened. He shows up. Sime's not there for a few days. And he looks at, like, the chess club sign-up or something. So Sime used to be a member of this club, and his name used to be on the sheet. But Winston went and looked at it, and it wasn't there anymore. Not crossed out. Oh. Just not there. Not crossed out. Gone. Sime had never existed. Wow. So. That's huge. Huge, huge. Um, This is huge. But Winston 
you know, is talking to Julia later on and he tells her about his suspicions about O'Brien, who is a, a member of the inner party that he'd seen around. And he was the guy who like locked eyes with Winston for just a moment during the two minutes hate. And they both thought that they saw in the other one or Winston imagined that they both saw in the other one a moment of understanding of like, we're not into this. We're not like the others. And so he's telling Julia, I think there's a member of the inner party named O'Brien. I haven't talked with him, but I think that he is maybe on our side. And Julia's like, Mm, yeah, I don't think so. Like, I don't think Emmanuel Goldstein is real. I don't think the war is real. This is when he tells her, you're only a rebel from the waist down. But later on at work, O'Brien actually walks up to Winston and they'd never talked before, but he says something to him, which is like, oh, hey, I know you were talking with someone. I forget who it was, but you were talking with someone recently about the new speak dictionary that's coming out. And Winston realizes that he's alluding to Syme, which is like another little sign for Winston that O'Brien is a member of the resistance because he's like, once someone is vaporized, you're never supposed to make reference to them. Even though O'Brien didn't say Syme's name, he kind of alluded to the fact that he existed. And o and Winston's like, that's proof that O'Brien is in on this. Oh, God. Oh, I thought of something. So when I was reading this, Winston's like, it's not technically against the rules. Like, nobody says you're not allowed to, but we all know you're not. And I'm thinking like... What if he doesn't live in a dystopia at all? Like, what if this is like a totally yeah. normal society? Everyone else is having a great time and he just thinks there's all these weird rules, I, but actually it's yeah. totally chill. <laughs> I thought about many, many different ways that I wanted to rewrite this story from different perspectives. And I'm sure other people have done it and I don't know what those books are, but I thought like it would be really cool to like write a book from the point of view of a prole and have everyone in the outer party be like, yeah, they're so dumb. They don't know what's going on. And then they actually are really dumb and they actually are yeah and that's the point of the book <laughs> actually so this book just came into the public domain in maybe not the u.s but like a lot of the world and i think i sent you an article there's a woman who was like contacted by orwell's estate to write like the official version from the perspective of julia she seems really interesting so i'll probably read Whoa. it Julia is the woman you've been talking about, eyes too far apart, something like that. The the one woman, yeah. The okay. one woman who has a name, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I just think there's lots of interesting angles we could come at this from. But anyway, um, so. I'd love to see Big Brother's perspective, honestly. <laughs> I'm not sure he's a real guy. So anyway, Winston is like, You're just a oh man, O'Brien's definitely giving me another sign. And he says to What him, did you hey, just mutter, Theo? I was just going to say, you're just a revolutionary from the waist up, Jack. <laughs> I'm not uh, doing enough to further the cause. From the waist down, you always do what you're told. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds bad, too. <laughs> yeah, that does sound bad. <laughs> How about from toes up? You're only a revolutionary from your toes up. Yeah. But the soles of my feet, they're good thinkers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so O'Brien... His pretense for talking to Winston is, I know you were kind of interested in the new speak, whatever, because you knew this guy. I have a copy of the upcoming edition that has not been released yet. I thought you might like to see it. And I don't have it here. It's at my house. So here's my address. Why don't you drop by and get the book? Like, either I'll give it to you or my servant will give it to you. And Winston's like, oh, my God, I have O'Brien's address. This is really happening. This is all a pretense. Oh my He's God. really excited. 
He's really excited. He's thought to himself a lot, and he and Julia have said to themselves, like, we're definitely going to get caught and killed. Like, we know that this has an expiration date on it. It's not going to last forever. And he thinks to himself, like, the fact that I'm about to go to O'Brien's house and talk with him is hastening me on this path towards my death, but I don't care. I'm just so excited that something's happening. He's like, this is definitely going to get me killed, but also other things also are definitely going to get me killed. So, hooray. Hooray. So many things will get me killed. This is cool. It's awesome. Honestly, the more things that you have to get you killed in this world, the better your life is. Hmm. What do you mean? Another little like, tip from Jackie. <laughs> in this world or that world? No, this in that, that world. We in. In, in the 1984 <laughs> world. Oh, okay. The more you break the rules, the more you're enjoying your life probably, right? That's not. That shouldn't even be a hot take. That's just obvious. Could be. I would get pretty stressed out. Theo wouldn't like it. Because I don't like breaking rules. <laughs> he, he would like living this way but more than he would like breaking a rule. Mm. <laughs> Hate to say it. Hate to say it. So next thing that we see is Winston's asleep in that room above Mr. Tarrington's shop and he wakes up and he's been having a nightmare and Julia's like, what's going on? And he tells her some memories of his mom. This is when he says, do you know that I thought that I murdered my mother? And she's like, why'd you do that? She's like half asleep and she doesn't even care. She's just like, why'd you murder your mom? Why'd you do that? And he's like, I didn't do it. I, I dreamed about it. And so we learn that in his childhood, he being a growing boy was always hungry and and the supply of food was very, very meager even back then, maybe even more meager than it is now. And his mom had like a baby, like his baby sister. And it was pretty clear to Winston that even as a child, his his baby sister was pretty sick and she was probably not going to make it. Winston's mom would like give most of the food to Winston because he was so ravenous. But even that was not enough. He would like demand their food too. So Winston's mom would like give him all her food and his portion. And then there was one time where they had some chocolate and it says mom gave Winston three quarters of the chocolate and gave one quarter to the baby sister. And Winston stole that from the baby sister and ran away, took all her chocolate. And by the time he came back home, mother and baby were gone and he never saw them again. So that was Whoa. the last memory that he has of his family. Um, dope origin story. <laughs> dope origin story. Stole the chocolate. <laughs> Stole the chocolate, ran away, came back. Everyone was gone. Yeah. yeah. It was horribly sad, but I mean. He deserved I mean, it. Winston couldn't help it, right? He was a little kid. He deserved it. He kept stealing chocolate from a dying baby. <laughs> well, he was starving too. Did they got gone because he stole the chocolate or he would have gotten gone also if he hadn't stolen the chocolate? We don't know what happened to them. It's a mystery. Did they leave? Did they get taken? Did they get murdered? Are they still alive? Nobody knows. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't know and we don't know. Should we contact the Orwell estate? <laughs> should we ask them? Yeah, <laughs> we should. When he said, you know, I killed my mom or whatever, and then she was like, oh, really? Yeah. And she didn't seem at all phased or surprised. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of this thing my friend I'll edit that out. Uh, my Why can't friend, you have your friend's name in there? Well, I'm, this might be a kind of embarrassing story for her. My friend told me she went on a date and it was it was just like a first date and she didn't really like the guy very much. And at the end of the date, he like went in for a kiss and she like pulled away and didn't like want the kiss. And he was like, oh, uh, sorry. And she just like made something up saying, you know, because of COVID, I'm not like really like kissing people on like first dates or anything right now. And then the guy went, Oh, you have COVID? <laughs> like he was pleasantly surprised or something, or just like, oh, oh. I've learned something new about you. Yeah. <laughs> As if you told him, like, 
I played guitar in high school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you have COVID? You have COVID? <laughs> Not like shocked that you just spent an hour or two with someone who was COVID positive. All right. So he tells this like sad story to Julia and Julia and him end up getting into a conversation about how terrible it is that the party has basically like destroyed normal human emotions. And normally a brother shouldn't want to like steal food from his baby sister and stuff. But like the party's just kind of destroyed them. And they say, well, if we get caught, like obviously we're going to confess because like they're going to torture us. So we're not going to be able to help confessing. That's going to happen. But there's one thing that the party can't do to us and it's making us stop love each other. It's making us making stop us loving each stop other. Stop loving each other. <laughs> they can't do it because it's grammatically impossible. Yeah. They're gonna make us stop loving. They're gonna make, they're us, gonna stop make us stop love stop, each other. Like, stopping love each other. They, <laughs> I said stopping love each other. <laughs> I'm confused. Anyway, you know what you can't do? You can't make do. me stop loving each other. They're gonna make us stop love each other. <laughs> you can't make them stop loving each other. That's the one thing the party can't do. Like, it can't affect their feelings, even though they know 100% they're going to torture us and we're going to, like, denounce each other verbally. Yeah. And, like, they can make us say that two plus two is five, but we'll always (laughs) know in our heads that's not the case. Nice. I was just saying nice because we've made it through it. (laughs) (laughs) Like Jackie's tortured sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) We are going to denounce my own grammar. Um, (laughs) All right. So at this point, they do something extremely risky. And I was like, what the fuck? Why did you do this? Oh, my gosh. Winston and Julia both go to O'Brien's house. Winston could easily have gone to O'Brien's house and said, I'll tell you what happens. Yeah. He could have said, like, oh, I'm here to get the dictionary. Right. And then O'Brien would like the onus would be on him to, like, say if, you know, they're in a conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah. Or if he just gives him the book or whatever. It was really dumb. I was like, what is wrong with you, Winston? Yeah. Don't you? You hate it when your friend starts seeing someone and then their significant other is like at every like they gathering. come along <laughs> everywhere yeah and they start living in your room with you for years oh years she's looking at rachel or less than a year <laughs> i mean Year-sa. freshman year and a lot of sophomore year a lot i don't think so we broke up like a month into sophomore year hey he was still there a hey. lot okay only good thoughts how dare you talk about your breakup <laughs> <laughs> with the guy you're currently dating. Um, uh, yeah, so they both show up to this house and there's no way they can talk themselves out of this. They're not supposed to know each other or be together. So O'Brien lets them in and... and his apartment is so sweet. It's very nice, yeah. As a member of the inner party, he does get lots of things that the outer party doesn't get. Like he has good wine and good food and like his cigarettes don't mm. fall apart all the fucking time. And he has a carpet. the main thing... He can turn off the telescreen. Whoa. Um, which, of course... Nobody else can do. So he turns it off and Winston's like, are we really alone in here? And O'Brien's like, yeah, you can, we can talk freely. It's off, baby. It seems like the moral of this story is that the middle class has it the worst of everyone. Yeah. Because <laughs> the poor people don't have, the poor people don't get spied on at all. Right. The rich people can turn the spying off. Right. The middle class people get spied on constantly. And they're also, it seems like just as poor as the proles. Like, no, they're a little better. Right. They have apartments. They have apartments, but the proles don't always have anything. If you were watching him through this telescreen, 
and he's like, oh, this person just came over. I'm going to turn it off right now. Don't you think that would be like a little obvious? Well, you're allowed if you're in the inner party. He says it's not suspicious as long as you keep it off for like under 30 minutes. So he says we have to be kind of quick. Like they don't really care if we do it every once in a while. They're just assuming they're having sex. That's the thing. Really? (laughs) I don't know. I guess that would make sense. O'Brien's like, as long as we turn it off in a little over two minutes from now, it'll be fine because that's how long (laughs) it usually takes me. (laughs) (laughs) 30 minutes. That can't possibly be sex with (laughs) O'Brien. Yeah. (laughs) There's no way he has that much stamina. (laughs) We know he's quick with the foreplay. That's that's gotta be some nefarious plans. <laughs> yeah. What saying? Oh yeah, the servant comes in and O'Brien is like, don't worry, he's one of us. And he's Asian. He's Asian. <gasps> That's what's so special about him. Yeah. Which George Orwell describes him being like, he's yellow. It's like, come on, dude, seriously. <laughs> yeah, what he actually says is he looks like he could be a Chinese. <laughs> but also it's like his yellow face had a yellow hue. Like he just says it multiple <laughs> times. God, what a freaking weirdo. <laughs> So O'Brien says, should I say it or are you going to say it? And Winston says, I'll say it. We are thought criminals. We are willing to do anything it takes to throw the party out. We have fornicated. We're putting ourselves in your power. And he literally says, if there's anything else I can say to incriminate myself further, please let me know. I am all yours. Wow. (laughs) Come on, just say like, I'm here for the dictionary. Just give him a chance, you know? He's so dumb. And the guy didn't even say anything to prompt it. He 100% is just like, here are my crimes. I'd love to do more crimes. Crimes? Do you have crimes for me, sir? And then, but so anyway, I mean, luckily for him. Lisa, may I have some crimes? Have some old crimes. Wait, I think I missed it. Winston said it? Yeah, Winston yeah. says that. Winston okay, okay. says all that. So then O'Brien is like, okay, just to let you know, the Brotherhood's real. Emmanuel Goldstein is real. You're, all you get to know is that they're real. You won't get to know how many people are involved in the Brotherhood or like who you're basically just going to know me. Yeah, the members will never be able to recognize each other. That's so that they can't give each other away when they get caught. Because you will get caught and you will be killed and we will not be helping you. We don't help our members. He's like, the the best we can do is like give you something to kill yourself faster. That's all you can hope for from the Brotherhood. Ooh. You're never going to see any change in your lifetime. It might be a thousand years before we're able to overthrow the party. You're not going to basically get any benefit from this. You're just going to be used the way that we tell you to. And he says, like, are you willing to commit murder? Yes. As long as it's a woman. As long as it's a woman. (laughs) (laughs) And he even says, like, are you willing to commit suicide? Yes. Are you willing to throw sulfuric acid in a child's face? Are you willing to throw acid in a child's face? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He says, yeah. Like, what if that were helpful to us? Would you be willing to do that? Winston's like, yeah. And then he says, well, would you be willing to break up and never see each other again? And they both go, nope. (gasps) Wow. He's like, sweet. Thanks for telling me. Thanks for being honest. That is the power of love. That's amazing. Yeah. He's like, would you kill hundreds of innocent people? Yes. Would you throw acid in a kid's face? Yeah, no problem. Would you break up with your mistress? No. No. (laughs) I've known her for like three months, dude. Like we're we're tight. Are you serious? Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't. I'm just saying like, I don't think there's a cause where I would throw acid in a child's face for it. Mm. Well, what if you found out that child was Big Brother? Like, what if it was a child <laughs> Hitler? Would I throw acid in his face? Yeah. <laughs> what if there were 12 other children on the other track about to get acid thrown in their faces? Would you throw so acid on the one So would you throw acid in one child's face to prevent <laughs> yeah. it? It's the acid trolley problem. <laughs> I'll think about it. 
So O'Brien says, we don't have long to talk. Julia, you leave. And Winston, someone is going to come and give you a copy of the book. You remember the book that Emmanuel Goldstein wrote? It's real. We're going to give you a copy of it. There's only a few of them in existence. What's going to happen is you're going to leave your briefcase at home one day. And then a man is going to come up to you on the street and say, excuse me, sir. I think you dropped your briefcase. Inside will be a note saying, I think you're really cute. Here's my number. Ooh. Um, no, just kidding. Inside the briefcase is going to be a copy of the book. He also, so Theo, earlier, Winston at one point in the previous book, he had thought that O'Brien said something about like the place where there is no darkness. He had a dream about O'Brien in which O'Brien said to him in the dream, we will meet in the place where there is no darkness. And then, yeah. And then in real life. O'Brien says, maybe we'll meet again one day. And Winston says, in the, in place, the place where, where there is no, no darkness. darkness. And O'Brien's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there. <What? laughs> oh, so he has some sort of premonition abilities. Or O'Brien's like, yeah, whatever. Who cares? Yeah, yeah sure. That's the place. Go throw acid in a kid's face. Thanks. <laughs> Take your sulfuric acid and leave. <laughs> So when he's like on the way into O'Brien's house, it's another one of those things like with Julia where he was like, well, I could get killed for meeting up with her. But more importantly, what if she just doesn't like me anymore? More importantly. Yeah. He's thinking, oh, man, I could get killed for coming into O'Brien's house and like starting this plan with him. And then he thinks it says a streak of ordinary embarrassment goes through him and he thinks. Oh, man, what if I was just mistaken and I made this whole thing up in my head and O'Brien's really not a member of the Brotherhood and it turns out this is all just like my misunderstanding and I'm about to sell us out. And he thinks all that <laughs> and then he just does it anyway. Yeah, he's a weirdo. Oh, the other thing is the the song I told you about that Winston's been like going around collecting lines. Mm-hmm. O'Brien tells him the missing lines. So his side quest is over now. <laughs> wow. How many experience points does he get for that? Five. Okay. Out of 10. Whoa. So it's pretty good. You have to walk up to O'Brien, press A, listen to his whole little monologue, and then he tells you the rest of it. And, you have to confess yeah. that you're a thought criminal, and then you get in exchange. Yeah. And you're like, God, I've done this a million times already. I've already been on this level. Just get through your monologue. Come on. <laughs> oh, also, Theo, you might find this relatable. When O'Brien gives them wine, this is the first time Winston's had it before, and he's really disappointed. Oh, yeah. He's like, I always thought wine would be so amazing. But then he's like, oh, it turns out it doesn't taste like anything compared to the victory gin. Yeah, he says, like, I've burned my taste buds out with that gin. <laughs> he should try it hot. I think all alcohol should be hot. Yeah, he is all about hot alcohol now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you tell the story of the, what was it Rachel served you that you liked, but also, like, couldn't stop talking about how gross it was, but then you kept drinking it? What did I give you that you thought was gross? Uh, the elixir something. The elixir. Something. Oh, the Novosalis. <laughs> elixir Novosalis. Yeah. What is it? Just, like fermented spices it's just a bunch of yeah it's like a bunch of herbs that they steep in alcohol just a bunch of alpine herbs yeah it was intense and theo kept saying like he's like i hate this but i keep I drinking this it. but it's i feel like i've never tasted anything before now <laughs> no. yeah and he would keep like taking more sips and then like smelling it and then he would like get a weird reaction <laughs> and be like oh that was terrible and then he would do it again yeah yeah the very beginning of it tasted quite nice it was like i think there were about 30 milliseconds of very nice taste and then it would went into like very bad taste good job three and you were like is it possible to only taste the first part (laughs) (laughs) i think i did like what you did say that you were like what if i just like put it on my tongue and then spit it out and i was like i think you would still taste the whole thing eventually (laughs) okay so can i say that's the worst part about about eating that you can't spit it even if you spit it out you still taste it you still do the aftertaste that's the worst part about eating Yeah, like I would love it if I could just completely control the eating experience. He's just a control (laughs) freak. I thought you you already like can't taste very well. Now you're saying you taste too much? I don't know what's wrong with me. But (laughs) yeah, that thing you served me, 
it was intense thinking about it. I feel like that's the flavor that any magic potion would be. If you mix like eye of newt and fingernail of camel or whatever is in a magic potion, Mm -hmm. that's what it would turn out. Classic magic potion. Mm. Um, Do you think you're just saying that because it's called elixir nova solace? Um, Or do you think you would also say that if it was called like herb beer? Herb drank. (laughs) Yeah, they are kind of asking for it, calling it an elixir. Yeah, Yeah. they're asking for it. Oh boy. All right. So let's get through this book. Okay. It's hate week. It's a long week. There's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of hating to get done. Winston works 90 hours in five days. He's been given this book, but because it's hate week, he just hasn't had time to read it. And I'm like, dude, just like at night when you're sleeping for a few hours, just like pull it out. But I guess he's actually sleeping in the ministry because there's so much work to be done. So he doesn't get to read it for a few days. Um, Oh, the reason he's working so much is not because it's hate week. It's because they have switched who they're at war with. Yeah. So they're not at war with Eurasia anymore. They're at war with East Asia and they always have been. So he has to like go back through everything and change it yeah. to say that they're at war with East Asia. And they didn't have like a control find function. So he really had to go just manually through <laughs> everything. Right. There's no find and replace. So there's some people who are, they still have like the anti-Eurasia signs. So what they say is like, oh my gosh, the brotherhood did this to me. <laughs> they did this to embarrass me. <laughs> there's a guy um, giving a speech and literally in the middle of a sentence of the speech someone walks up taps him on the shoulder hands him something and he goes we're at war with east asia and we always have been (laughs) yeah like he just stops in the middle of a sentence and changes his mind so winston has to fix all of those things but i think it's also busy because of all this other stuff like he just never has any time to himself hi everyone this is your tele tv what's it called Podcast? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Podcast telescreen. Um, oh, Theo, you should say, hello, comrades. This is Big Brother with an important message. Hello, everyone. This is your podcast telescreen comrade telling you that Big Brother has a deal for you. <laughs> you should check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash fire the cannon. Uh, we have lots of great bonus material up there. You can find all sorts of bonus episodes. Maybe you'll even get a sticker. Oh, you'll get a sticker. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Just check the tiers, see which tier is right for you. And then, oh, you know what's really important is on Apple Podcasts. Do you guys know that there are ratings to be had? Mm-hmm. And we want to have them. So you all should really go on Apple Podcasts and select the five-star rating and give a review that really encourages other people to listen. Yeah, that's a great thing to do. That really means a lot to us. Even if you um, can't give it this time monetarily, uh, we would love to see your review. So try and make us laugh. Like, honestly, some of them are so heartwarming and touching, and some of them make me a lol. So you can go whichever route you want to go for that review. But if you make it really funny, that'll... Get you a couple points in my eyes. We would really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Nice. All right. Back to the episode. So anyway, finally, at the end of the week, he gets to go to the little room above the shop and Julia comes and he's starting to read the book. Which is called? It's called The Theory and Practice of Oligarchical Collectivism. Several chapters of this book are like printed word for word as part of 1984 and we're reading it. And I got the sense that like this is just actually George Orwell's thoughts. And honestly, I have to say, I feel like he's right about a lot of it. So this is like the book that's trying to explain why the party is the way it is and what their goals are. 
-hmm. It bases it in the context of history. And it says basically like for a lot of history, people didn't realize that history was cyclical until like maybe about like the 18th, 19th centuries. Then they started to realize like there are patterns and you can stay in power forever as long as you do some simple things. So it tells us that for one, the three superpowers, Oceania, East Asia, and Eurasia, they're constantly at war. None of them will ever defeat the other ones. Each of them is on its own, like totally self-sufficient. Like they control so much land that they could easily just like take care of everything they needed to within their own borders. But they're constantly at war and the reasons are twofold. One is that they're fighting over some like cheap labor in the disputed areas. So like basically below the status of proles, there's slaves that we don't really ever see in the book. But like elsewhere in the world, there's basically people that are just enslaved. Mm. But more importantly, because the cheap labor isn't that important, the war serves to distract people and use up excess resources. It says they could accomplish the same goals by merely just like creating a bunch of stuff and then burning it or like, you know, saying that they're creating a bunch of stuff. But instead of creating stuff and then destroying it, the war basically functions to keep everybody working on something forever and it will never be over and switching the enemies doesn't have any function. It's just, you know, something that they're doing. It says that the ultimate purpose is that, you know, you have high, middle, and low classes. And elsewhere in history, you know, you kind of had to have some level of class inequality between people as that was like, quote, the price of civilization. But then there became a certain point at which technology was good enough that really nobody needed to be unequal. Everybody could live like a similar quality standard of life. That's why it's crazy to me me that people try to say this book is like anti-communist or like anti-socialist. Right. If you read any of this part, right. This is saying like, no, we should be communists. We should. <laughs> yeah. It says, yes, of course, some people are going to be suited to different types of work, but that doesn't mean that you have to have different standards of living. And it's like, ding, ding, ding. That's it. Yeah. We make enough. <laughs> so part of how the party stays in power is a, again, the war, the fact that they can't be defeated, the fact that there is no capital. Like, so Oceania has no capital. They don't even know where Big Brother resides. Like, he's probably not a real person, but if he is a real person, they don't have any idea where he lives so that nobody feels like they're being governed by, like, a foreign power. Mm -hmm. They feel like it's always everywhere all the time. The middle classes get to feel like they're doing better than their ancestors were because of the propaganda that gets spread around. They get to feel like they're doing better than the proles. The inner party lives a little bit better than the outer party. At the same time, they also have really nothing of their own. And so their their zeal for Big Brother is even greater. He also says that because of the fact that war is never ending, it's basically the same as if there were no war at all. So that is the meaning of the phrase war is peace. Why would that be true that having war constantly is the same as having no war at all? They're saying that keeps the peace within Oceania, basically. Oh, that's... Uh, yeah, if they weren't engaged in this war, then people would start to notice what was going on and they would notice they were becoming oppressed and they would try to, like, get out of their stations, basically. But the war is what keeps the homeostasis. So the thing that I kept wondering throughout it, and I've thought this about our own world as well. So for example, like I have had conversations before with Joshua where I'll say like, I literally don't understand people like Jeff Bezos and like the other super wealthy, like why are they trying so hard to protect their wealth or like Elon Musk or somebody like, why don't they just pay some taxes? Like 
They have so much money, it can't possibly hurt them, right? They have more money than they can possibly, like, know what to do with. They literally wouldn't notice if they paid They wouldn't notice. <laughs> like, it wouldn't affect their life at all. It would affect their bank account, but who cares? Right. Or I'll ask this about, like, terrible despots who are in power, like, in whatever country you want to think about. It's just like, why are they doing this? Like, why doesn't somebody just, like, want to be good? Why doesn't someone just want to do a good job? Like, I don't understand how everybody that gets in power is so evil. And the answer is power is the goal. It's just having power. It's just... And that's basically what what the book in 1984 is saying, that the ultimate goal of all of these systems and all of this oppression and all of these lies is so that the people who are in power stay in power and it will never, ever be jeopardized. They cannot be overthrown. And then it says, but Winston was saying, well, I get it. Like, actually, this hasn't told me anything new. Like, I already knew all these things. It's just kind of phrasing it in a, a more organized fashion. But what I really want to know is, like, what is the point of all this, right? Like, Theo said that on our first episode, like, why would any ruling party want to rule like this? What's the point? The book says the real reason why all of this happens is dot, dot, dot. And then Julia wakes up and Winston's (laughs) like, oh, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I have to finish this later. And he closes the book. So we never get to find out. Yeah. Orwell didn't know. Orwell didn't know. Nobody knows. Yeah, He just was like, I have no idea how to end this. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just crazy because it's like, man, he was a good historian. Like he really cleanly laid out all of these things. And like, this is, I mean, sure. It seems like he was a, a pretty rational political scientist. But when it came to the ultimate question, like nobody knows. I really just want to like bring him back from the dead and be like, what do you think it is? Like, yeah. <laughs> if you had to guess, just tell me. But yeah, so Julia, she wakes up, they do it, presumably. And then he's reading a little bit of the book to her and they kind of talk about double think. A little bit. Which, do you remember that, Theo? It's when you hold two contradictory thoughts in your head at the same time. Yeah. Just for fun? Just for fun. No, you just, you have to be able to, like, maintain this balancing act, I guess. Yeah. Anyway, they kind of talk about that because she's saying, like, you know, he's saying, why do the inner party members act like this? Why are they so passionate about Mm -hmm. Big Brother when they know that it's a lie? They're like, eh, double think. They kind of talk themselves into half believing it themselves. Like, that's one of the tenets of a party that can't be overthrown is that everybody kind of, even if they sort of know that it's all bullshit, they also kind of have to be able to convince themselves it's not. So Yeah, you want the people to do the work for you, I guess. Yeah, like the people who are best at double think are the people who in the inner party. So anyway, um, they're talking about this and they're looking down and they see the, the parole woman who's been hanging up all the laundry and she's singing that song and Winston just feels like this overwhelming sense of hope and he's like, I know it's going to come from the proles. Like I can see that she's had like 15 kids and like all all those kids are going to like grow up to be. He's a freak. I know. It's so weird. He says like, she's so beautiful. And Julia is a little fat phobic. And she's like, she's really wide. And he's like, well, her hips Uh-oh. are what make her beautiful because she gave birth to so many little proles. Yeah. And someday the proles will like achieve consciousness and they'll overthrow Big Brother. Yeah. And then at this point, Winston and Julia repeat to one another a phrase that O'Brien had said to them during their liaison. O'Brien had said, you have to understand, like, you're going to die for this cause. You're not going to get out of it. You have to understand that we are the dead. So Julia and Winston say to each other, we are the dead. And then they hear a voice from somewhere in the room say, you are the dead. Oh, shit. (laughs) 
Dun, dun, <laughs> dun. The and then Winston's entrails turn to Such ice. Such a sense of drama from Big Brother. <laughs> I kind of like him now. Drama. I mean, Big Brother loves a dramatic entrance. So yeah. Winston says, it came from behind the picture. And then the voice says, it came from behind the picture. Like it just starts repeating everything they say. Oh, that's so annoying. I hate it when people do I that. I know. I'd be like, just kill me. Just kill Quit me. copying yeah. me. Like, you're so annoying. More like little brother, little annoying brother. <laughs> like, what could Winston at this point could have just said, like, I'm stupid. And the voice would have been like, I'm stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm stupid. Damn it. I've taken this too far. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm really going to torture you. I should have said that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Down with big brother. Down with big brother. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Got me. So the picture falls off the wall. There's a telescreen back there. This is the picture that Julia had said oh, I really ought to take that down one day and like clean all the bugs out. How did they not search the room? They are so dumb. Rachel. They are. I don't know if that telescreen had been there the whole time or if they had installed it at a certain point. Um, But either way, there is one there now. So they said, oh my God, they can see us now. The voice says, we can see you now. (laughs) All of these like troops burst in. There's like the windows smash and the ladders come up and all these like guys in black come in and just like they kick Winston and they punch Julia in the stomach. They say the lines from the song from Winston's side quest. First, they, they smash the paperweight and then a familiar voice comes over the oh my the telescreen and it sings that song at them. And Winston's like, I know that voice. Where does that voice come from? Say the line. The line's freaky. Yeah, the end of it is, here is a candle to light you to bed. Here comes a chopper to <gasps> no, no. chop off, off your, your head. head. Oh. To yeah. chop off your head. <laughs> yeah. I was really hoping that didn't rhyme with head. <laughs> Here comes a chopper to kiss you on the head. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's still head, but it's nice, I guess. Here comes a chopper to... I mean, honestly, everything that rhymes is kind of scary. Dread, lead. Anyway, so at this point, someone comes into the room, and it's Mr. Charrington. Ah! And although he had looked like a kindly old man, the antique dealer before, his hair is now black instead of white. Oh, no. And his face somehow isn't wrinkled anymore. I want some of whatever his retinol he's using. Yeah, how'd they do that? (laughs) But why'd they do that? (laughs) Just get an old man to do it. I know. So Mr. Charrington comes in and Winston realizes for the first time that he is looking at, without any doubt, a member of the Thought Police. Oh, my gosh. And that he was listening to them bang for months. Wow. (laughs) Apparently. Yeah, I mean, he let them, he let them bang. Like, I mean, Mr. Charrington's, he's a wingman. Oh, he let them bang. Yeah. Yeah. He was a wingman. (laughs) This was the antique dealer in Pearl Town. Yes, Pearl Town. And Winston had always thought to himself, like, Mr. Charrington's, like, seems a little smarter than the average Pearl. He's, like, kind of classy, and he's got, like, you know, a memory of the old world, and he appreciates nice things. Yeah. Turns out he's just a member of the Thought Police. And he seems to be aging backwards. Yeah, he's a Benjamin Button as well. Oh my gosh. Is that supposed to be Italian? Italian. Oh, Italian. A- Italian. Italian. Yeah. Is that supposed, supposed to be Italian? To be Italian? <laughs> Jackie, was that supposed to be Italian? <laughs> Benjamin Button. <laughs> Benjamini Buttoni. <laughs> Benjamini Buttoni. <laughs> It was supposed to be Italian. That might be our title. Benjamini (laughs) Butoni. Is it Butoni like a brand of pasta sauce? Butoni. Probably. It's Bertoni, I think. So what did you think, Theo? Did you think it was going to be Mr. Charrington? Uh, Honestly... When you said his name, I couldn't remember who it was. So it didn't. Oh no, 
not that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing just like they do in the two minute hate thing. I was like pretending like, oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. always hated him. Or something. Oh, the place where there's no darkness. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did say his name and explain who he was every time I said his name. <laughs> oh, but that's fine. well. There are a lot of characters. There are a lot of. There's uh, not. It's Winston, O'Brien, Julia, Mister Charrington. There's like five <laughs> characters and Syme, but Syme's out now. Syme's. Hey, don't you ever speak about him? He's gone. Oh, sorry. It should have been Syme, honestly. Should have been, been Syme. Ooh, that would have been cool. Really? Yeah, it would have been cool. That's a long time to just be watching them, and then the best line you can come up with is just repeating what they say. <laughs> just copying, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is pretty cool that he says, here comes a chopper to chop off your head. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that part's, that's pretty good. What's a chopper? Like a helicopter. An axe. Wait, Jackie says it's a helicopter. No, it's not a helicopter. <laughs> I no, imagine this a helicopter is a really, being like... It's a really old song from way before helicopters. <laughs> it's just an axe. Get into the chopper. <laughs> comes a helicopter to chop off your head that's what i thought really well you're wrong here's a candle to light you to bed i guess i never thought about it like you don't have electricity there's no but electric- you do have helicopters. yeah <laughs> it's a steam-powered helicopter yeah. <laughs> but is that all that whole bell thing comes to is him saying gonna chop off your head well there's another book so we'll see if it comes back okay i mean i don't know like we don't have to talk that much about it the bell thing is just like a nice little poetic device that gets used and that's like winston's it's literally a poem it's literally literally a poem. I mean, it's like a little child sing song nursery rhyme kind of thing. And it's just like, this is a fragment of the old world. And I'd like to be able to gather the knowledge. Cause, yeah, because it references all these churches that used to be in London that are all gone now. Some of them are mm. still there. They've just been repurposed into like sure. party buildings. I have noticed in my own life, like over the last week or so that we've been doing this book, whenever I see anything that is kind of similar to or like recalls a social event that would be put on by the party in 1984. Like, oh, you know, like they have to go to the club or like the community center and take part in these little classes and they have to go on these like community hikes and all these things. Uh If I ever see like, oh yes, we're having a social event for the community on Friday night, I'm just like, big brother. But for some reason that makes it seem like more enticing to me. Because I kind of want to feel like I live in uh, a place that cares about community. Just like and Big Brother, yeah. Oceania certainly cares about community. <laughs> to the point that if you don't uh, participate, you're killed. <laughs> I mean, I would like to experience just something different, even if it has to be the Big Brother world. I mean, that's what people said when they voted for Trump. It was like, why did you do that? Yeah, I don't know. We just know. wanted something different. We just want to shake things up. <laughs> we don't really care what happens. We just want to change. Okay, I guess I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. <laughs> Fine, he takes it back. <laughs> Everything Theo says, we show him why he shouldn't have said it. Mm. Well, do you guys want to say anything else before we end this? And we have to thank our new patron. Um, this book is Was really heating something? up. Oh, Jackie, you had something to say about cookout. <gasps> Thanks oh. for reminding me. I know we have a lot wait, of wait, 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 in this wait, story is, already. Is one of those is one of those community gatherings you were talking about a cookout, perhaps? Theo, you don't get the credit. Rachel already did. <laughs> well, she didn't have a good segue at all. Mine was No, this is just a funny story about something that happened to my youngest sister, Caitlin. So she goes to school at NC State and there's there's cookouts all around. And that's kind of the thing. That was the thing to do when I was a young whippersnapper. And that's also the thing to do now. Cookout is a restaurant. Cookout's a, yes, a a chain of restaurants. I think it's only in like North Carolina, Virginia. It's in the South, basically. There's some in Georgia now. Yeah, it's spreading. Yeah, Um, it's real good. You can get like a ton of food for like zero doll hairs and they're open till three in the morning. So of course, that's where you go after you're done partying. And so she was in line at the cookout. She has 
two crazy stories that happened like two weeks in a, in a row at the cookout. And I was like, girl, you got to stop going to the cookout because something bad always happens. Never, never stop. It's so good. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. I have a cookout shirt, actually. It's like right here behind me. Um, I got it with Rachel. They're so good. Yeah. The shirts are good. The they're food's so good. good. <laughs> the are I don't good. even eat yeah. meat and there's still good yeah, stuff to eat. Yeah, what do you eat, eat there? Quesadillas, Cajun quesadillas, large Cajun cheese fry, milkshakes. So good. Get a milkshake with a slice of pie blended in. I don't know why I said Oh, is that what it actually is? They literally, okay, listen, audience, if you haven't been to cookout before, if you get a cookout milkshake, if you get a pumpkin pie milkshake, they so they sell pumpkin pie for like one month in the winter. They literally take a slice of pie and they blend it into the ice cream. So instead of adding like flavors, so if you get like a strawberry cheesecake milkshake, they literally put a slice of cheesecake and some strawberries with the ice cream and they blend it all together. So that's why theirs are the best. It's so good. There's no upcharge. No. And it's I mean, so the most North Carolina thing you can get there is a cheer wine float. I don't like cheer wine, so I don't get Ugh, that. But I love a cheer wine float. Love a it. A lot of people love a cheer wine float. Yeah. Cheer wine is the best. I don't like any soda except cheer wine. <laughs> I'm now realizing I have like four cookout things to say, but I, I will say that this is real. At some point in the last few years, and I haven't looked at this since, so it could have changed, but cookout has no official website. I believe I tried to go to their website to like request that they put one in Cincinnati. And I was like, I'll be the proprietor. <laughs> Just let me have it. They don't have a website. Website. There are websites that are like fans devoted to cookout and they'll like try and like put updates and stuff. But the, the company doesn't have one, which I just think is crazy. They do. It's cookout.com. Well, there wasn't one a few years ago when I looked. I swear <laughs> okay. to God, there wasn't. And there were like references all over the place to how like, yeah, it's weird. Cookout doesn't have a website. <laughs> it says this domain established January 2022. <gasps> wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Theo just bought the domain. He's playing a joke on me. It says copyright 2020. So anyway, Caitlin for- was at this cookout the first funny thing that happened which wasn't that funny but was just crazy is that a man apparently in line in in his car because you can't go into a cookout it's drive-thru only Mm. I guess he just got tired of waiting and instead of just leaving the line and driving away he gunned it and he drove his car straight down a hill through a chain link fence and like crashed into another building. Wow. Pandemonium broke out and <laughs> Caitlin's roommate was like, somebody, he's going to kill somebody. You got to go get him. Somebody has to get him. It was like very dramatic. And so all these people like rushed down the hill, like got him out of his car. Anyway, that happened one week. The next week, Caitlin was there again and the line was really long. And Caitlin placed her order at the drive through speaker And I guess the woman didn't hear her, like didn't hear her say anything. And so she was like, hello, can I get your order? And Caitlin repeated it, not rudely, but in a in a tone of voice that I think implied that she had already said it. She was just like, I said, I want this, um, you know, like a little bit louder. Oh no! And the woman stopped her and said, here's what we're not going to do. Have an attitude. Whoa, nice. Can you believe that? Good for her. Your sister should not have had an attitude. Everybody with these attitudes. Just, Two weeks ago, this guy with an attitude just drove off down a hill, hit another building. What an attitude on that guy. There's no way my sister was like being very rude. So it's just funny to imagine that this woman was like, here's what we're not going to do. Have an attitude. And Caitlin was like so mortified and she like apologized so- endlessly to the woman. Then the woman started yelling at someone else over the speaker behind them. And then at one point, Caitlin saw her leave the cookout and go up to a car and start yelling at those people. Wow. So she was just clearly having an awful night. There were a lot of things that they were not going to (laughs) do. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another thing we're not going to do. But I was just like, yes, queen, you're so sassy. Like... (laughs) 
Yeah. Don't let these college kids walk all over you. But you think that's good behavior? Every person who works in the service industry should be able to say that at any point to anyone they want. Everybody's wanted to say it, for sure. Mm. That's what I should have said to that kid who punched me. Here's what we're not going to do. <laughs> Punch me in the butt. <laughs> it wasn't in the butt. <laughs> Punch me in the butt without paying me. Didn't the mom try to pay you? $20, the, yeah. yeah she, she did try to pay me. I should have taken it. Yeah, Damn. you fool. That would have been all of my dignity, though. That would have been three hours salary twenty dollars yeah twenty bucks i mean i'd sell a lot of my dignity for twenty bucks more than three hours if you count the tax uh yeah uh but you're gonna be taxed on that twenty dollars too <laughs> oh no that was under the table i would let a child punch me every day for twenty dollars who cares they're not very good at punching this kid was like 10 years old. He was good at punching. Okay. If, if, if I say kid to myself, punches me I will day. let your child. <laughs> He's had 10 years of experience, Rachel. I'm just saying he was big. He was almost my size. I'm not that big of a person. Okay, then she should have offered you more than $20. Okay, I'm not selling the right for your child to punch me for $20. That's not allowed. What's the point of this whole thing? Well, I think... Yeah, why'd you even tell us that story? <laughs> yeah, I thought you were advertising. Oh, like, yeah, it was an advertisement. Sorry. Oh, well, I think, you know, kids, they can't hit hard. They can't punch hard unless you don't know it's about to happen. Then they can get you. Oh, yeah. I got got Well, you've been shoved into a wall by a kid before. Yeah, this fourth grader. What did he say? I hate you, Mr. Chandler. Uh, I was in high school, so nobody was calling me Mr. Chandler. But <laughs> I was in high school, and the band director's son you, would come. I Grandpa Chandler. <laughs> yeah. Old man, Theo. I hate you, big brother. <laughs> but yeah, the band director's young boy would come over to the school, I guess, because they didn't have like daycare after he got out of school or something. So then daycare. he was just like, I don't know what do you do with a fourth grader. Is daycare wrong? <laughs> Babysitter? Yeah. You put them in the Muppet nursery. Like an after school program. But anyway, I was, yeah, I was just walking down the hall. I had no idea. This kid was like kind of, I think he was walking in the other direction. I had no idea this kid was even noticing I was there. And then he just like full body hurls himself at me. I was walking about like five inches from the wall. And he like hit me. And so then I like slammed against the wall. And then straight through it like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> yeah, right. But then this teacher, the chorus teacher was like, whoa, you just got decked by a fourth grader. What the fuck, dude? They're just going to encourage this kid to be a monster. Instead of the kid getting reprimanded, Theo got made fun of by an adult. Yeah. <laughs> For not like fighting a child, I guess. Yeah. Not expecting the child yeah. to body check me. <laughs> As though, like, Theo was, like, weak for getting pushed into the wall. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's too good. Too good, Theo. Too so good. So as you see, Theo, sometimes kids can do some damage. I was always on your side about kids can do some damage. It was Rachel. I'm the one who's not on your side, yeah. Can I just clarify, once again, he didn't hit me on the butt. He hit me on the upper back. And he knocked the breath out of me. Like, he hit me in the lung. Oh. <laughs> he hit her in the lung. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so what did you do to him again? <laughs> yeah, Jackie. Come oh, on. I punched him first. I forgot to okay. mention Oh, okay. <laughs> Nothing. I didn't do shit to him. I sold his grandma a bubble. But bubble blowing wand thing. <laughs> I sold his grandma a bubble. She was buying a big container of bubble soap. Sounds like you scammed that that grandma. Twenty bucks for a bubble. A, bubble, a bubble and a punch for twenty bucks. That's what you're selling. I give you bubbles and a punch, and you get twenty dollars. Oh, and you give me twenty dollars. Yeah. Yeah. It's a subscription service. <laughs> 
All right. Well, uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us this time. Um, we would like to thank our newest patron. That was a damn good button I had at the end of that. And Jackie had a great transition. And now, Benjamin Butoni. And now, <laughs> well, I thought, how cool would it be if I just smoothly ended the episode without Theo having to edit it that way? But you fucked it up. <laughs> I know. You did a perfect, like I said the button, you did a perfect transition, but I just calling attention to that. Now, yeah. Cool, cool. I can edit this part out. No, leave it in. We would like to thank our newest patron, Andy. <laughs> yeah, Andy! We are loving Andy's Twitter interactions. Yes. Andy did do something really cool on Twitter. I forgot that. Yeah. Andy said that um, because he has now started subscribing to our Patreon, he's able to learn the secrets of how to be famous, which is because he started listening to our meta podcast within a podcast, <laughs> which is on the Patreon called Your Brush with Fame. I prefer to call it without a podcast. A pod without a podcast. <laughs> and he made reference to something that happened in the very first Your Brush with Fame episode, which Andy Sweet baby darling, they get so much better than that one. But thank you for enjoying that first one anyway. They really do. <laughs> that was literally the first thing Theo edited ever. Yeah. <laughs> first podcast he ever edited. Ever. So if you want to yeah. hear how much we've improved, really, subscribe to our Patreon just like Andy did. <laughs> I mean, it's still funny. It's still funny. The audio is just, you know, not as great as it could be. But thank you, Andy. Um, We're so glad that you're here and uh, we love you. Yeah. We're loving it. That is a silly ass podcast that you're brushed with. Fame. We're going to do another one, right? By the way, Andy, because you loved it, Theo literally was like, maybe we should do another one, even though I've been saying for weeks that we should do another one. Oh, yeah. We're going to make a sixth one. Well, this is the first time an impartial observer has said they like that it. it's good. Yeah. The only other feedback I've gotten is that they someone told me they had to stop listening. Mimosa Mike <laughs> said he hated it. Hey, no. <laughs> you don't need to call him out. I mean, I almost anyway. Well, I'm not going to say that. Um, Andy liked it, though. So thanks, Andy. Whoa. My sister's boyfriend likes it. I told you. And so is my sister. He's and not me. a patron. And Steven. Doesn't matter. Patrons are not impartial observers, by the way. <laughs> they already like us. Well, Andy doesn't know us. But he likes us. He's pretty impartial. I can kind of tell. <laughs> you can tell. He's pretty impartial. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And he listened too. Like he has good listening comprehension because he like spelled everything right, even though it was spelled wrong in the episode. Like it was that was impressive. Anyway, thanks so much, Andy. Um, if you would like to become a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash fire the cannon. We do still need a Jackie specific patron at this point in time at the recording. God, is there a way I could say that that's less pathetic? <laughs> Maybe have one of us say it instead of you. <sighs> Yeah. Look, in a non-pathetic way, we need a Jackie Patron. For a non-pathetic person. <laughs> yeah, okay, right. sure. The longer it goes on, the more it will mean to me when you finally make yourself known. No, that's encouraging them to take longer. No, this is the perfect amount of time. Uh, the more it goes on, the worse it will be. This is the best time. Yeah, this, yeah, is, this, the this is the best time. <laughs> if you want to be a non-pathetic patron. Consider Jackie. I am the most pathetic member of the podcast. So if you want to boost my status a little bit. Aww. For now, just for now, but soon you'll be tied with us. Soon I'll be tied with you. I thought you were going to say that would have been really funny. <laughs> you messed up your own joke. <laughs> no, I was. I didn't want to make it because if I had actually made that joke, you know, it would have been a whole thing. Theo would have edited me in revenge. And yeah, I just didn't want to get involved. <laughs> I could have made a hilarious joke, but I didn't because I knew Theo would hate it. Because <laughs> I was afraid yeah. a man would censor me. <laughs> All right. Other places that you can find us, Twitter and Instagram at Fire the Cannon Pod. We also have a TikTok now. I think I've been oh, forgetting to mention that. Yeah. But we do have a few things. But Jackie's in charge. 
I, for, I forget. I feel like we are always on the verge of having a TikTok. I forget that we actually have one. No, we do have a TikTok. It is at Fire the Cannon Pod, just like Twitter and Instagram. Yes. Um, there's only like a few videos on there right now, but we're starting to get a uh, pretty ticky talky, if you know what I mean. Do we have any views? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, we have a lot. Some of my videos have oh. like 600, 500, 600. Oh my gosh. Really? Yeah. Why didn't you tell us these Why things? Why have you never said anything? Well, because for TikTok, that's not very much. But actually, Caitlin, my youngest sister, who's a Gen Z, did say that was really impressive given that I wasn't good at promoting them. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, given that you're not good that's... at making TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, that too. Like at first, the first few I did, she was like, nobody does this. And I was like, well, maybe that's why they get so many views. <laughs> oh. Breaking the mold. <laughs> and she was like, that's not that many views. <laughs> I mean, I know it's not. But again, for someone who had no followers, that's a lot of views. Yeah. It's impressive for how bad you are at all that stuff. Yeah. I don't <laughs> even mind that. Saying? I don't mind that. <laughs> you try making a TikTok, Theo. Watch no, you're trying to trick me into helping you. Yeah, that would be crazy for you to help me with anything. All right. Um you can also find us on Facebook at Fire the Cannon Podcast. Our email is fire the cannon podcast at gmail.com. And guess what? As always, how many ends does Canon have? Two. 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 C-A-N-O-N. Yes. <laughs> yes. We love it when people spell our name right. We do. All right, everyone. Big brother is watching you, and so are we. Bye. You are the dead. Here comes a chopper to chop off your head. Those are yeah. our, all of our catchphrases. <laughs> now that we've all said something creepy and violent, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>